Christ has suffered for you, leaving you an example that you may follow in his footsteps. Words taken from today's epistle on this Good Shepherd Sunday, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My children, Christ is risen. He is truly risen. None of us should tire of repeating this phrase, for Easter has just begun. We do not worry about receiving strange looks for saying Merry Christmas after December 25th. Neither should we be embarrassed to say Christ is risen to all we meet throughout these sacred days. Let it not be said to us on Judgment Day, you knew the greatest fact of history, that Christ rose from the dead. Why were you afraid to say so? The long Easter season that follows Lent is meant to be the greatest time of celebration of the entire year. Feasting is not just a permission, it is a duty. As in Lent we must fast, so at Easter we must feast. Only a lukewarm Christian who thinks little of the resurrection would fail to celebrate throughout this entire season. What precisely is our duty during Eastertide? To eat, drink, nap, and play games as much as we can? Certainly those activities are not foreign to the season. But they have their limits, even when sin is avoided. And there is a reason for that. We might easily describe Easter as a time of unbridled joy, but we know that is not quite correct. Only the eternal Easter, the resurrection of the blessed at the end of time, will be a time of unbridled joy. Here our joy is tempered, even during Eastertide, by the sobering knowledge that we are still in the wayfaring state. Today and next Sunday we are taught by St. Peter I exhort you as strangers and pilgrims to abstain from carnal desires which war against the soul. Christ has suffered for you, leaving you an example that you may follow in his footsteps. Easter is led up to by nine violet Sundays, and they are then followed by nine festive Sundays, including Pentecost and Trinity. And yet, we find striking parallels between these two series of nine Sundays. Consider, for instance, the striking parallel between the epistle on this third Sunday during Eastertide and that of the third Sunday of Lent. Be imitators of God, says St. Paul, as very dear children. And walk in love as Christ also loved us and delivered himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God, ascending in the odor of sweetness. But immorality and every uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as becometh saints. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk then 
as children of light. It is marvelous to observe just how many prayers and lessons of Lent and Eastertide are almost interchangeable. As diametrically opposite as they may seem at first glance, the goal of our religion during these two seasons is the same, to worship our Savior Jesus Christ, true God and true man, sacrificial victim for our redemption, and glorious victor over death. It is truly lamentable that the word victim in English has now come to mean any person who has unjustly suffered wrong. This diluted sense of the word does no justice to the sufferings of Christ. Yes, Christ the just one suffered unjustly, but his sufferings had meaning. He suffered to satisfy justice. The word victim properly means any created thing offered up in sacrifice. Jesus Christ, eternal Son of God, endowed with a created human nature, is the true victim, the one acceptable sacrifice. His sufferings were the price of our redemption. And for those who are redeemed by Christ, all suffering has meaning. All our sufferings can be united with those of Christ and bear fruit. Fruit that would never come without suffering. There can be no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. And every Friday contains within it the promise of Sunday. The violet Sundays before Easter fall during a time of penance. Yet each one is still the day of the resurrection. The fast is relaxed, and we eat, pray, and recreate at the normal times. We remember that penance has a purpose, and that because of Christ, death leads to life. The season that follows is one continuous feast of the resurrection of Christ. The sacred word of praise, the Alleluia, buried for 40 days, is now multiplied exuberantly every day on our lips. Yet Fridays are still days of abstinence and voluntary penance, and a remembrance of Calvary. The Feast of Martyrs, who died during Eastertide, are held in special veneration during this season, precisely because they heeded the words of today's epistle and followed Christ's footsteps. They drank the bitter chalice of his passion, and now they feast at the eternal supper of the Lamb. Witness the feast of St. Mark this week, which begins in the Red of Martyrs and ends in Violet. As with the three days preceding Ascension, the days on which the procession and mass, mass of the Rogations were celebrated were sometimes even kept as a full fast. The ember days of Pentecost, like all other ember days, unlike all other ember days, are celebrated in the fiery red of the Holy Ghost rather than the violet of penance. And yet they have always been days of fast and abstinence. Like a skilled sculptor, they hone our celebration to perfection 
by reminding us that our feasting here below is but a dim image of the banquet that awaits us above. We might say that the two considerations of Christ the victim and Christ the victor embrace in that perfect midpoint of the liturgy prepared for by Shrovetide, Lent, and Passiontide, and followed by Easter, Ascension, and Pentecost, the adoration of the cross on Good Friday. Among all the stirring chants of that ceremony, we find the very ancient antiphon, Crucem tuam adoramus Domine. We adore thy cross, O Lord, and we praise and glorify thy holy resurrection. For behold, by that wood did joy come into the whole world. Truly, there is no Christ the victor without Christ the victim. To reflect only on Christ and his afflictions with no thought of his triumph over death would be a dreary and morbid religion indeed. It would risk degenerating into an unhealthy fascination with torture and death. But to consider only the risen Christ with no thought as to how he came to be in that tomb from which he emerged and why he suffered and died before rising would be a shallow caricature of Christ, the portrayal of a smiling friend, differing little from the ancient pagans' worship of the unconquered sun king. We must consider every moment of the sacred humanity of Christ, as we are taught to do in the rosary, his joy, his sorrow, his triumph. The joy of his incarnation and nativity is overshadowed by the cross already looming in the distance. Yet even the darkest moment on Calvary is not deprived of the hope of the resurrection. Yes, but one might object Christ dies no more and he lives forever. Surely the happy ending is all that matters. Why spend time, especially during Easter, reflecting on the sad part of the story? The tomb is now empty. Shouldn't we replace our crucifixes with empty crosses, or indeed no crosses at all? My children, amidst the joys of Easter, we are called to reflect on our Lord's sufferings more than ever. The crucifix is always the sign of our salvation and the supreme symbol of our holy religion. In heaven we shall see our Savior face to face, shining as the sun, his garments white as snow, and yet still bearing the sacred wounds which marked him in his duel with death. By those stripes we were healed, and they are our beacon through this veil of darkness and death. Christ has suffered for you, leaving you an example that you may follow in his footsteps. After having made our Lent and filled with confidence in the victory of the resurrection, we give ourselves with fresh fervor to the work of imitating our Master, who, as the Apostle tells us, did no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile, when he suffered, did not threaten, but yielded himself 
to him who judged him unjustly, who bore our sins in his body upon the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live to justice, by whose stripes you were healed. The joys of Easter are meant to give us the courage to imitate the meekness and humility of our Good Shepherd, who laid down his life for the sheep. Let us forget our hurts, our grudges, our desire for revenge. Let us forgive all and love all, for Christ's sake. What then is our greatest duty during Eastertide? To feast. We need not wonder how, for this feast is a commandment of the Church, itself always preceded by a daily fast. We must make what has always been known as our Easter duty. We must joyfully and devoutly receive our Savior Jesus Christ in the most blessed sacrament. The precept requires us to receive him once. But we know the mind of the Church is that we should live in the state of grace so as to receive him as often as possible. This Easter and every Easter on earth, we do not yet possess our Lord by glory as we hope to one day when we behold him face to face. But we can possess him here and now by grace. And this alone is what should fill our hearts. Christ, our Passover, has been immolated. Alleluia. Let us keep festival with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Alleluia. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.